Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Golden Age podcast. And today I have Alexander Heller with me. Alexander, thank you so much for doing this. It's a pleasure talking to you. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. So one, one perfectly random question. Um, you're in Portugal and we'll definitely talk about that. Do you present yourself as Alexander and people just call you Alexandre? Oh, how do you connect with, with that with that difference? Yeah, I'm really happy for people to pronounce um, my name as they would prefer and as like makes sense to them. Um, so yeah. I love um, I love the Portuguese pronunciation for okay. sure. Perfect, perfect. So I want to start with another random question, which is, who do you think would be a great show to cast Kvot on a TV network uh, of the series The Name of the Wind? Oh, wow. That is a really good question. Um, so who, who like an actor to star in it? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Oh, um, that's a great question. I'm thinking about Quoth, and I'm thinking about um, what's her name? De, she always changed her name. Um, I don't have a great. I don't have a great answer for it, but okay. now I'm really thinking about it. Yeah, so I'll definitely want an answer to that after the show. You can go think about it and talk because I, I was reading to, through some of your articles in your in your website, and I found out that you read The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, have you have you read like the the, the other book? The, oh, okay, perfect. So you're yes. you just like me. You're waiting for the third one to 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 be out, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such a great book. So uh, let's start by talking about Portugal. So mm -hmm. tell me, how did you end up here? Um, so I uh, ended up here because I was living in Berlin and I got quite depressed during the winter. Mm -hmm. And so was thinking about and then I was also looking to to buy an apartment and everything in Berlin is very expensive. Yeah. Um, and then and then I was looking at Lisbon because people talk so much about how Lisbon is is lovely and it, it's um, one of the only countries in Southern Europe that is really English friendly. And I knew that it would take me some time to learn Portuguese. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. And then also as someone from outside the EU, it's a fairly straightforward process to gain a Portuguese citizenship. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in Germany, while I was there, um, it would have looked like I would have had to give up American citizenship in order to gain German citizenship. So mm. really wanted to, um, I, I'm really trying to um, get an EU passport so I can live in the EU and I've just really enjoyed it here. So mm -hmm. anyway, there are all those factors. Um, and then uh, my partner and I came to Porto and uh, we just immediately loved it. We, so yeah, that's, that's how we got here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And have you been like, You've been to Lisbon, I, I, I assume. Like, what are the main differences differences that someone who doesn't come from, who's not original from Portugal, notice between Porto and Lisbon? Yeah, um, I'm actually writing a blog about this because I have a lot of friends. Um, as you probably know, like, um, Portugal is becoming very popular to move to. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to Lisbon. And because that's the default, you know, that's the kind of like, you know, if you think about Portugal and you're thinking about, okay, want to live in a city, then you think about Lisbon. Yeah. Um, and so I think that Lisbon is really great in that it has so much happening. There's so much life. Do you, you live in Lisbon, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, great. So I'd love to, like, I'd love to, to have this conversation um, to hear your take on this. Um, but 
Um, I think that for me, I was really looking to be able to, like, I don't like having a car and I don't like taking a taxi mm -hmm. and I really want to be able to get from one side of town to the other just yeah, easily. And so mm -hmm. as a small town, that's very walkable. Um, mm -hmm. Porto is really um, lovely. Mm -hmm. And then um, just the, you know, we're looking to buy an apartment. And so the property prices in Lisbon are yeah. quite high right now. Yeah. And so, or as Porto is like, oh, wow, felt that the money could go so much further. And mm -hmm. then also um, Porto just has this kind of very like chill vibe. Um, mm -hmm. Like Lisbon, it feels hectic. It's happening. It's exciting. Some people really love that. Yeah. Um, but now I'm, you know, in my mid thirties, I think I'm just like wanting more quiet chill time. Like I just want to read yeah. a book and, and chill out. And so Porto to me feels really lovely, but I know that yeah. some people, you know, come to Porto and they're like, Oh, it's, it's boring, whatever. Yeah. Um, but Porto, they're both very beautiful cities. Um mm -hmm. Porto has these these beautiful. If you go across the bridge um, to Gaia and look at Porto, yeah. it's, uh, like all the tourists are there, it's because it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but Lisbon has so many beautiful sites as well. So they're yeah. both very beautiful cities. Yeah, absolutely. I, I usually say that uh, like to I'm I love Lisbon. Uh, mm -hmm. I'll be honest. It's it's one of my favorite cities in Portugal. Um, and 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 uh, I love it here. As you said, like the action is here. Everyone is. It it, it seems like it's a little bit. Like the city is always on the move. Uh, I remember, like I said, in another Portuguese city called Évora, which is yeah. in Alentejo, you know, perfect, which is very slow paced. Yeah. You know? Especially because it's really hot. So everyone, if everyone starts moving really fast, everyone starts sweating. So everyone will start to move really slow. And and I remember that I was studying there and half of the week I, I, I would spend there. And then the, uh, the other half, I would come to Lisbon to try to find a way to do play music because I was studying music oh, cool. and yeah and and when I while I was in Lisbon it, 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 it was really weird because I would get here and I would walk really slow because I was used to the to the rhythm of the city in Evra but after like a day I was already moving fast and trying to just uh, like pass people on the subway and all that stuff uh, and so city, uh, Lisbon is a, a really active city however my favorite uh, I don't want to say my favorite, but like Porto as like a really special place in my heart because uh, I, I, I like, first of all, the architecture in Porto is beautiful. I really enjoy the dark uh, walls and, and the mystic of the city. I always say that Lisbon is where the action is, but Porto is where the magic is. And, and it's a lot, like you said, it's just like the city where you go to, at least that's my go-to, to, to reflect and to think about stuff. And I remember doing like this uh, solo travel to, to, to Porto just to spend some time alone. And that really made me fell in love with, with, with just the reflective side of, of the city. Um, so, so, yeah. And you just said that for you, it was really important to just walk around the, the, the city, right? And and that, I assume, is because uh, you're very fan, a uh, very big activist of the environment. And especially one of the things that I really enjoyed was in your Twitter, in your bio, you have, uh, you mentioned solar punk, which is mm -hmm. something that I've discovered only a couple of months ago. And I fell in love with all the aesthetics and and uh, and all the, the, the idea. So for everyone who's listening and doesn't know, and it definitely relates at least to me to a modern golden age. So what for everyone listening, can you please just say a few words about what solar punk is? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I think um I'm not sure that I have the best definition of it, but I would say it is kind of an aesthetic. Um to me, it's about like kind of using uh technology to foster a real like um 
sort of like like ecologically beautiful world that's like technologically enhanced so it's you know it's like solar panels and like whatever um but but also like if you just google solar punk um and then go to images like you can see these beautiful like it kind of looks like singapore to me um where it's like you have all these like beautiful architecture with all these garden it's it's all about like um integrating everything like nature into everything into our architecture into like these beautiful uh planned cities and um to me it just represents like happiness um to see all of these like to see these cities but they're like so flourishing with um with biodiversity Mm -hmm. um with plants um you can i can imagine that like the insects really love to live there whereas i don't think insects particularly um you know there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of of good things unless you're a fly it's like not as great to live in a city whereas versus the countryside so that's kind of what i think about yeah and 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 so where does that passion with with the environment and and with nature comes from have you ever or have you always been like that or was it did anything happen in your life that made you more aware of that how did that start yeah that's a really great um question because I was, I was thinking about this and um and I think that like I, I have had a lot of people you'll find if they're environmentalists, they'll have had a very outdoorsy childhood. Um, so mm-hmm. they'll have really connected to nature. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I necessarily had that, um, but I definitely did have a few like camping trips where I was like, wow, this is really incredible. Like nature is incredible. And I grew up in California. So there's a lot of really beautiful nature there. Um, as is everywhere, I think, but mm-hmm. um, I really connected. I think I, I feel really connected to trees in particular. I don't know, like I would, mm-hmm. um, there would be these few willow trees on my way home uh, from my walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would like just sit under them on my way home from school. And then I'd like feel like I was connecting with them and they're just like kind of there for me as a support. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just really kind of connected to trees and then um I don't know. Ultimately, it's like we have to have a healthy world to be healthy, happy people. So it just seems like so clear yeah. that we need to support the environment if we care about yeah. living ourselves. Absolutely. That that's so fascinating. The relationship with with the trees. Like, um, have you ever like hugged a tree? Have you had that experience? Yeah, because yeah, sure. yeah, because that's that's one of the things that I remember. I I, I don't remember how. I ended up doing it, but it was like some kind of outdoors activity with a bunch of friends, probably while I was young, or maybe it was just my granddad who incentivized me to do it. And I remember that I felt really good. It's almost like I, I felt like by embracing the tree, the tree was embracing myself as well. Awesome. And, and, and so, of course, you um, work on that area. And I have a bunch of questions that are not work related, but I do want to, to, to ask you, like you've been in a bunch of different uh, places um, and especially working as uh, in, in, in marketing and you were like, you learned how to do marketing and you end up going again to a bunch of different places. But right now you're in a very special place. I read your Medium article uh, about uh, starting as a marketing manager. So talk us a little bit about where you are and what you guys do. Yeah, so um, right now I'm working with Bitgreen, and they this is at the intersection of blockchain technology and sustainability. Uh, so basically, what Bitgreen is is it's a blockchain um, that doesn't waste a lot of electricity. Um, people often hear that with blockchain tech, but now there's further innovation where blockchains don't have to um, waste, or like you know they they don't waste such an incredible amount of energy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so this is a blockchain for sustainability that's trying to do um, a few things. And first it is um, a blockchain for other sustainability projects to build on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's ultimately trying to solve for the funding gap in impact investment. Um, yeah. So uh, the goal of the project is to get 1 trillion into uh, sustainable uh, project financing within mm -hmm. 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. And so 1 trillion sounds like a lot, but um, actually like we need trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in sustainable um, projects in order yeah. to combat uh, climate change, let alone yeah. all of the other environmental problems that we're facing. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's very ambitious. It's very um, inspiring project, but also it's looking at, uh, there are a lot of obstacles with um, funding sustainable projects. And so it's really improving that, uh, but mm -hmm. also with blockchain platforms, you it's an open network. And so um, builders can come in and use, okay, you know, hey, here's some carbon credits. Now we can build things with carbon credits or, hey, there here is a collateralized loan, a tokenized loan. Mm -hmm. um, now we can build with those tokens and build um, different um, DeFi, you know, protocols with it. So there's yeah. a lot of room for innovation. And I think that we need innovation in order to, to um, go uh, to get beyond where we are now, because we're yeah. obviously having trouble financing the yeah. um, sustainability that we need. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, like, why, why is it so hard to, to actually fund sustainable projects? Yeah. Um, so let's say you've got a, um, a wind farm and you're trying to fund a wind farm. Um, I mean, maybe a wind farm isn't like, let's say it's in some sort of area that is not, doesn't receive funding as easily as, mm -hmm. you know, maybe uh, European countries or mm -hmm. the US, maybe it's mm -hmm. in Africa, maybe it's in a, um, a developing country somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so there's not as much financial infrastructure. Um, yeah. Then, you know, it's like, what tends to happen is that you'll have the funding that is locked up for many years. Mm -hmm. um, like to even, okay, let's say that they can, they can find the funding, whatever. Um, there's has to be a lot of due diligence that has to be done on that deal um, in order to, um, to do the funding. And so that takes mm -hmm. maybe an analyst a month or two. And then, um, and then the funding itself is locked up for maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, maybe 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, that's a lot of capital to be locked up. So it's not liquid. And so basically people can't get out there, get their investment out. Um, and then it becomes like less attractive, you know, if you mm. can't, uh, if it's not a liquid investment. Yeah. So those are some of the issues that um, happen with sustainable projects. Yeah. And also like, uh, I, I, I specifically, I don't work on, on, on that specific area about sustainability and environment, even though I, of course, I'm um, a fan of it, but I have a, a great friend who does. And one of the things that he told me is that Right now, it's it started to change the um, availability of 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 uh, monetary funds for of money basically to actually fund these kind of of, of projects because, uh, like before the the there wasn't like it wasn't easy to get funding on 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 a, on, a, on one of these projects right like people weren't were still a little bit um, doubtful about how would that work and if we really do need uh, to, to, to actually address climate change, which I think basically it's, I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? I mean, we're in, I'm in Lisbon at least. Today we have like 
30 degrees in May. Tomorrow we'll have 22 and we'll get, we'll, we don't have sun. Like there's a bunch of things about that that uh, just prove that it's time for us to invest on, on this area. So changing a little bit uh, of, of um, topics, before we go to, to specific crypto blockchain and, and altruism, um, I, I do want to, to talk about another thing, which is while I was reading in your blog, um, you talked about um, psychedelics and about any experiences that you have and uh and uh, like there, there were a bunch of quotes that you wrote that really struck me but one of the things that you you said in, in a specific article which is the title is something like that time i took psychedelics with a bunch of online uh, i'm not sure what what the title is but um you said that uh you were you were going through uh like uh more uh, negative phase, right? And, and you find that psychedelics were maybe something that would help you. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, like how, why did that happen, if that's okay? And how did you end up doing uh, psychedelics and the effect that it had on you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that particular time experience that I was um, talking about, I had, um, I I mean, I wasn't diagnosed as depressed, but I was, you know, feeling down. And, um, and so I kind of like, I hadn't really experienced, um, this, this feeling like elsewhere in my life, like anxiety is very common for me. Um, but you know, feelings of depression, really not that common. Um, and so I sort of made this pledge to myself to, to do whatever I could, um, to improve, um, and to take care of this because I, I thought this is really, um, it's an intense experience. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I was like exercising, eating better. Um, but psychedelics have been shown to, uh, create different like neural pathways in your brain. So if you're kind of like in a loop about, you know, dark, depressing thoughts, you might be able to find a way, um, to break out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had this experience, I was looking to do psychedelics legally. Um, I Googled online, um, and found a center in, uh, Amsterdam or outside of Amsterdam. And so, um, went and had this experience and ultimately had, um, I think just this confrontation with a lot of fear and mm -hmm. I didn't, like I already was feeling better from, from like, I wasn't feeling depressed once I had this experience, but mm -hmm. after this experience, I also like continued to, I, I feel like had um, a more positive outlook um, and seemed to help me integrate these, these feelings and um, yeah, just, just be in a better state of mind. Yeah. And I think that mental health is, you know, something that a lot of us deal with and mm -hmm. I think having better tools and, uh is important yeah of course and i, I really enjoyed uh the to, to read that um because because it, it takes me to uh one of the great topics that i want to talk about with you about which is altruism um and and like there was this really good quote that was something like uh the only good in the world is that in which we create i think that is right and that really struck me uh because it, it, it makes absolute sense right like the and, every, and maybe maybe there's good in the world that we don't create but others have created for us right and and it's it, it's really important for us to appreciate that mm -hmm. like I, I read another another article uh, that you you called um 10 euros 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which was basically the story where someone asked you for money and you gave them 10 euros. And, and, and suddenly, for some reason, like I was doing research about your, to, to this podcast, uh, and, and suddenly the world altruism started popping out out of nowhere in, in, in places where I, I've never seen it. And so I was wondering, like, how, how if, if you could talk about your relationship with altruism and how did that start? Mm, yeah. So um, it originally started with um, seeing, I just ran into giving what we can, which is a membership where people um, take a pledge to donate 10% of their income for life to effective organizations. And at the time I was managing an e-commerce company. I, even though that e-commerce company was creating good in the world um, through uh, supporting uh, sustainable agriculture, I just didn't, I felt like out of alignment with my values of, of helping the world and wanting to use my life to help the world, which I think is, is something that so many of us have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, maybe I can just donate money and that donation is a path to fulfill my, um, this, this need and this value that I have. Mm-hmm. And so I started and um, I'm pretty like, I'd say financially conservative on some level, like I, mm-hmm. I don't take it lightly to, you know, <laughs> give, give away money. Um, but I really felt like it was, is beautiful. And I actually felt like my life um, improved. I felt like my relationship to money improved and um, I felt like I finally was living my values. And so mm-hmm. I really had a transformation just by, and it's also really cool because it's like, I could just click some buttons. Like it's, it wasn't that hard for me. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to make the money or whatever, but I was already doing that in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky to be in a position where I had, you know, I wasn't just living paycheck to paycheck. I could, um, I could give. Um, and then I just felt like I had, uh, I had transformation from that. And um and it's interesting. I I actually went to interview people who like other people who had also taken this um, mm-hmm. membership because I was trying to figure out like, oh, do they find that this is actually kind of hard to do? Like, it's hard to like give you know mm-hmm. thousands of of dollars away that you know you felt like you had worked really hard for. And um, ultimately, I found that the people uh, that I talked to at least were far more altruistic than I was. And they're, <laughs> they just like love to live for others. They could just see like, Oh, another's happiness is equal to my own. And like $1 to me makes such less of a difference to me than a dollar to somebody, um, somebody else who's living perhaps in mm-hmm. extreme poverty or who, mm-hmm. um, to prevent them from XYZ disease or to an mm-hmm. animal, um, to prevent them from living such suffering in factory farming. So yeah. anyway, it's really inspiring actually, but I, I, I struggled to find somebody who, um, yeah. you know, had the same, had the same struggle. Yeah. So is, is there any particular investment that you've made um, uh, that, that really uh, strikes out as like something that you're really proud of? Cause mm-hmm. I remember like, just, just to share, like I, 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 there was a moment in my life where I was starting to feel a little bit more um, comfortable around money Fortunately, I'm already, I'm back at it, I'm, but, but there were some downsides, but, but I, I remember that there was a moment where I was starting to do it and, and I decided that I wanted to give something and there was like this, I, I don't remember the name, but I, I had been doing some research and I found this organization that would help um, um, schools in, in developing countries. And I remember looking at my first paycheck and, and thinking, I'm going to put some money there, and that felt amazing, amazing. And so, and so, 
how about you? How are some of your personal donations that you're really proud of? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's really beautiful. And I think it is um, something that, you know, I think it just enhances my quality of life really. I mean, just to be able to feel like I've contributed to something larger than myself. Yeah. Um, I would say like I, I recently donated to, donated to um, an organization called Legal Impact for Chickens. And this is in the US, but it's really mm -hmm. cool. It's just this woman um, who's a lawyer and then she has, she just like um, wants to have better wealth like living conditions for chickens. And mm -hmm. so, and so she's just like figuring out like legal ways to do that. And so she's, she's just like a very creative, inventive lawyer. And um, yeah. it's really lovely because she's at the beginning of this organization. And so I got to talk to her and I got to like hear all about it. And for me, like one thing that I really don't like, like looking at is animal suffering. I just like get extremely uh, sad. And so um, I was talking to her about it and she just loves like she doesn't really think about it. She just like loves doing law, but, and she loves, like she recognizes the animal suffering. And sometimes mm -hmm. she has to review um, footage from like farms where they're uh, abusing chickens, but like ultimately she's just excited to, to be able to like live her passion and also like uh, benefit chickens. So that's yeah. one, one area that I thought was really cool. Yeah. This, this is, and, and like besides the overall feeling uh, that that you get is were, were there any more changes in in your worldview um, when you started donating more money? Like you talked about, it improved your relationship with money um, and aligned with your values. Like talk a little bit about those differences as well. Yeah, um, I think that it's it's kind of like you get to be the person that you dream of being. You know, like that's ultimately what I would like to be. Um, I'd like to, I have these values. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to live in alignment with them. I'm not always, I'm, you know, often failing of them, but I yeah. think that the, the journey of, of aspiring to those, I think is, is really beautiful. And to see any progress on that uh, makes mm -hmm. me feel um, just so inspired and um, yeah, just, just in love with like how we can use our lives for, for good and for improving the world. But also like, I, I do have a magical thinking um, about donating 10% of your income. Like I actually think it's like, just creates some like loop of abundance. Mm. Um, and I, I've just from very different sources, I've like heard this be mirrored. Like somebody mentioned something like, oh, you know, if you, if you donate 10%, then like the people that I've seen do that, like inevitably are become successful. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's some just like feed, like you're, mm -hmm. you're allowing the money to kind of come flow. through your life and to flow. Yeah. And so um, I know that that's magical thinking, but I, I really love it. And I think it's just kind of a, a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah. I'm a friend of some magical thinking. I am not, <laughs> I'm not at all resistant to uh, not, not do much, but I'll definitely yeah. agree that that's something there. Cause, cause that's the thing. Like, like, even if it's something as simple as when you give, you, you suddenly feel more aligned with your values. And because you feel aligned, yeah. more aligned with your values, people notice that and end up offering you opportunities that otherwise they wouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but but that's, that's definitely something that I, I, I believe. And so, um, and, and moving a little bit beyond, like there was an, in that article that I mentioned about the 10 years, you, you wrote a sentence that really moved me. And I, I'm going to, to read it because I don't want to misquote it. And it's something like, I thought what I could buy for 3,650 uh, 
dollars that would be better than having these experiences experience 365 times and you say that because you're basically uh i mean i'll, I'll let you explain it so explain to us what what this sentence means and why did you write it yeah um so i was out um getting a, a coffee one morning when i was in berlin and um i saw and then i walked by someone and he asked me for change um and then he explained it oh he hadn't had a, a coffee yet and you know, I was there with a the coffee and I'm like, well, yeah, of course that makes a lot of sense to me. I also want coffee. And so I, I, um, opened up my wallet and just like on a whim, I was like, Oh, here's a 10, you know, and I gave him a 10 and, um, yeah. And he was just like really touched and really moved. And he was like, Oh, well, I'll buy you a coffee. It's just like, and I was like, I already have a coffee. It's just like, kind of like, <laughs> he's just like trying to like figure out, you know, what he could do to give back to me. Cause he's like, yeah. he's like, wow, that's a, you know, a lot of value or whatever. And, um, you know, and it didn't really matter to me, like what, what happened with this. I yeah. mean, it, it did, like, I, I care about this individual, but ultimately what I got out of this was like, that was a really meaningful experience and mm. how, um, you know, the, you know, 10, 10 euro per day of, of having that experience, like that's worth more than anything else I could, could buy. Um, yeah. and so, and if I were to do that every day, you know, how much would that cost me? It'd be you know, three thousand six hundred fifty dollars. Um, yeah. like that seems like the most meaning that I could get from this money. That's valid, yeah. And and uh, making a segue, you, you said that uh, you said this in uh, the website of the project that we're about to talk about. Uh, that at a certain point, contribute contributing to solving the world's problems is more satisfying than anything money can buy. That, of course, is on the website of the Crypto Philanthropic Club. And I was wondering if you. Explain to us, as you are the founder, how did that start? What you guys do? Uh, tell us a little bit more about that project. Because I believe, and, and sorry, but just to, to have this note, because I believe that almost anything that you talk about is related to a modern golden age, which is the, the topic that I want to get into afterwards. But I truly believe that this project has a direct connection to what we can expect from a modern golden age. So tell us a little bit more about Crypto Philanthropic Club. Yeah. Um, so basically I started a crypto philanthropy club because I'm in the sort of crypto space and often um, people will, you know, they'll have some crypto, it'll go up in value. And then my my hypothesis is that these people, um, maybe they don't recognize the opportunity that they have to give, to share this newfound wealth um, with others. And, and actually um, this will be more valuable and meaningful to them than any material possessions that they might come by, um, assuming that their you know, base material needs are met. Um, so that's kind of the Crypto Philanthropy Club uh, is trying to advocate for um, giving um, in the crypto community. And so uh, it's a slow going project because I'm busy, but um, I've, I'm working on resources like a donation guide for for taxes in various countries and how to donate mm -hmm. crypto because it's not always that straightforward how to do it mm -hmm. and then also kind of um i'm going to be like showcasing different causes that people can mm -hmm. contribute to um however the market just crashed so i might um yeah <laughs> i might yeah. have to recover a little bit <laughs> before before don't, but but well that's that that often will happen and the market will go up again and once they do people will because I'm curious, like you just mentioned that it's not, it probably, it's not that straightforward to just have a bunch of crypto, I mean, whatever coin it is and, 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 and donate it to a, a cause. Like, how does that work? 
guide us through that process. Yeah. So there's there's various different ways of doing it. And that's, um, I have a podcast uh, for Crypto Philanthropy Club and starting to interview different ways. So one, there's a crypto native platform, which is Giveth. And so if you have, um, I think if you have either Ether or USDC, um, you can um, donate that directly um, to um, these, like there's different projects that are there. And so um, so you can create a project. You can say, hey, I want to feed the homeless. Um, and then people can send you crypto to fund that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just like see all of the different initiatives going on that are on the Giveth platform. And then mm-hmm. you can donate directly. And that's pretty cool because it's all just like crypto to crypto. Um, and then you receive um, give tokens back um, because as a sign of your donation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one option. There's a lot of more traditional uh, organizations and charities have now have uh, listings of addresses of Bitcoin mm-hmm. or Ether or you know whatever mm-hmm. that they accept donations in. Uh, there's also every.org, which is a, a really good uh, donation site. It has all these different cool platforms of uh, different charities on there. Um, and then they will accept they'll accept major cryptocurrencies for like i think bitcoin either for like many of them and then also if you want can want to donate above a certain amount mm. then they will set up a unique address um if it's like a more esoteric awesome. crypto yeah oh awesome. but there's yeah there's more options than that but those are some some top yeah. level ones and people should follow crypto philanthropy club and when they do you'll probably post them in the future so that that's that's fine so let's get into the the, the modern golden age uh and and just just to give you a little bit of context i i've told this before in the podcast but when i was starting this this, this whole podcast started because of that visa meme I, i'm assuming you know visa yeah. which which says that if you point out the the old like these domino pieces starting with friendly vicious nerds we'll get to golden age of humanity and i remember that the first time that i looked at, at that meme that really blew my mind and 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 i was thinking about it and i realized that i want to be a part of this i don't know why, how but I really want to be part of this. And so what I did was I looked at what I could do. And I said, I like talking with people. I like um, connecting different people. So let me try and, and have conversations about it and maybe connect people that otherwise wouldn't know each other. Um, and so I started this podcast because of that. And when I do, when I did, I spent a lot of time because I believe that if I was going to create this podcast, I, I should have like this perfectly clear vision about what I think a modern golden age is. Uh, and then I realized that that made no sense because mm-hmm. it, it, to me, being in a modern golden age, it's, it's, it's about co-creating mm-hmm. and having like this really straight vision about it made no sense because what I want to do is I want to ask other people what modern golden age looks like to them and then try to understand some common points between all these different dances. So what are the common values and practices and beliefs that we have uh, to build that, that modern golden age? So that being said, I would love to hear um, your take on it. Like, what do you think a modern golden age is? What does it look like? What are some of the values, practices, beliefs? Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I just want to say that I love this project so much. And I love that you're coming from this point because I feel like um, it's easy for me, at least in the you know modern, you know, getting so much news and so much information, like it's very easy to get bogged down into like everything that's wrong mm-hmm. and everything that's happening. And especially if you're following environmental news, mm-hmm. environmental news doesn't tend to get better. <laughs> so it just feels yeah. like really bad. Yeah. Um, so I just really love that it's like 
to open this, like to start the conversation like this and be like, okay, what is it that we want to create? And because it's totally, totally possible. And then how can we, um, how can we create that? Um, and what is it even that we want to create? And I love, I love that so much. Um, and I think that for me, like a modern golden age, um, I guess like there's some experiences that I've had where I've had like, oh, wow, like life could be like this. And mm. one of them is discovering ecstatic dance for the first mm. time. I don't know if you're okay. You're yeah, I've done it or... once and I've loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so this is um, like when I first discovered ecstatic dance and I'll just to, to give a quick definition, it's kind of where you are it's like a moving meditation. And the point is to, for me at least, is to move in a way where I feel the most freedom and like really just let the the music move through you. And um, I think that for me, I was really tapping into just how much freedom and then um, how free people in this environment really seemed. And um, and then, you know, some some spaces that you go to, it'll be like really, really beautifully curated and the people seem so, um, so like tapped into the beauty of themselves. Mm-hmm. And to me, like it's something about like seeing seeing the beauty of each individual and uh, in their movement pattern, in how they're, they're, they're dressing or just how they are um, embodied. And to me, there's something that, that like that's something that we're missing I think in a lot in but we can expand so much as a society Mm. and I think um, I was reading a little bit about how you were working with um, with kids to show them alternate paths of Mm -hmm. you know entrepreneurship or Mm -hmm. how you don't have to just be a doctor or lawyer or Mm -hmm. whatever and I really love this too because this is also I think feel like a lot of people feel like over time society has made them box them into being something that Mm-hmm. maybe they don't want to be and i think a golden um age for humanity would be people discovering their unique gifts and how to share them with society yeah yeah and and, and embracing that freedom and it makes a little sense because because <clears throat> one of the things that i really wanted to do is like these first definitions and, and i know because people I, I have some friends that are engineers and really f- narrow guys and just and and they'll they'll listen to the podcast and they'll say well that's beautiful but what's the plan of, of what 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 are you going to do what what are the concrete step, steps you know what, and to me it's really comfortable uh to have like these first of all like visions because uh, I, I think that we need to align different visions, even even if they're not that clear, but in order to get to something that which then can serve as inspirations to, to create those steps. And what you just said, like uh, uh, um, like this whole organization of a society where you embrace your own, where you're free basically to, to embrace whatever your your tastes are makes 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 total sense. Um, and, and so what are some of the values that you, you believe that you we should share in order to get into a modern golden age like i i'll give you two of mine so one of them was uh and i talked about this in the previous episode with rob which is courage i believe that the main value in in modern golden age should be courage because because once again you want freedom but 
to be free, you need courage. You need, it, it's, it's difficult to be free. Like the, the example that you, you were saying when I was talking with kids and kids would be, I could either be a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. And, and to actually embrace the idea of, no, I, I'll be a failure, but I'll do something that I really enjoy. Like that takes courage. And so I do believe that. And, and not only that, but if we want to make sustainable changes, even if environmental ones, we need courage to do it. We need courage to, to, to make our choices in order for us to get into a modern golden age so that's one of my the one of the core values the second one that I, that you just mentioned is beauty um and i see beauty as a value as well because it's it's, it's so funny because you were saying that that <clears throat> there were moments where you felt like you you had like this experience of, of a modern golden age and automatically i started to think about what were those <clears throat> moments to my to me and i realized that all of them were, in fact, related to beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like. I, I remember uh, a specifically specific thing, like entering in Louvre in Paris, and for a while I had like this, this painting in my in my phone as as a, as a screen lock. And I remember uh, walking in, in, into the Louvre. I had no idea that that painting was actually a painting, and just I, I, there was a uh, small um, living room, and I walked in the, the door, and then I turned back to see the wall that was in my back, and that was like this painting that for a while I had in my phone, but like instead of being the size of my phone, it was like five meters tall or something like that, and that was one of the most profound moments I had and made me think like this feeling of connection, of beauty, of, of, of um, like that specific feeling, which I cannot yet articulate with, with words was something that really made me think this is the way to get into a modern golden age. And, and so those two are two values that I really think that we will embrace in order to get to a modern golden age, courage and beauty. What are some of the values that you believe will will have? Yeah, but I I love um I love those and I love I love that you say courage um because I feel like you're you're really embodying that and um and I love that that you're wearing orange because orange to me like represents courage for whatever oh, reason awesome. and then it's also like this very loud print and so it all feels yeah. like very courageous yeah. um Thanks. and then I I also think about like oh what what does courageous beauty look like or like oh. acts, acts of courageous beauty yeah um, yeah. That's a that's a great question. What does it look like to you? I, I was like I was thinking about um, like random gifts of or random acts of kindness, like random acts of like where you just like you you know you pay for the person behind you and like, yeah. or you you give you know you you put on in somebody's mailbox like something like some seeds, some flower seeds or something. Yeah. I don't know what this would be, but um, there's so many things you could do. Yeah, that's 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 a great question. That's what do you question. what do you think of? Yeah, I, I was I was thinking about it. The first one was, uh, as you said, like donating something or giving something to someone. But I do believe that, uh, like, so yeah, this is this has nothing to do with it. But uh, my 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 role, I, I studied music, um, and but I had a wrist injury, and that made me change my 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 uh, professional course. But I do believe that there certain there are certain kinds of art pieces that are a demonstration of courageous beauty, mm-hmm. um, and and making more of those uh, should be something that is aligned with the modern golden age as well. Like creating 
art that it that shows how you truly feel is something that's really hard um and to play a song that we that demonstrates how you feel or to paint a painting that really demonstrates how it's, it's hard it's, it's you fear that it's it's scary but to do it is definitely something that's that really takes courage and it, it and it ends up being something beautiful um so i think that's my answer but i'll definitely need to think about it after the show uh, and try to get to a more concrete answer um but but turning back so what are some of the values that that you think that make part of this modern golden age yeah well i mean authentic <clears throat> authenticity like that's what when you're talking about that that reminds me of that and i think authenticity is um is is kind of is courageous and um the more that people are authentically themselves uh, i've been speaking of music i've been watching a lot of like aurora i don't know if she's a, a, a oh kind yeah of a pop artist yeah yeah she's yeah. the singer yeah yeah but she's very authentic she's very authentic and she's very like um authentically herself i feel and so i've been really inspired by that um and then um but yeah values i'd say maybe conscientiousness and conscientiousness mm. i would say in like understanding how like the full loop of everything that of all of our actions so like mm. okay if i purchase you know this sort of thing you know who was that made by what mm. were the dyes made in this textile i guess i'm talking about a garment um what's the life cycle of this garment going to be is this just mm. going to be i'm gonna you know it's $12 at H&M and then I'm going to wear it once and then I'm going to throw it out yeah. you know like that's a really really not very conscientious um life cycle versus yeah. you know you know how can we honor everybody at every step of the process of yeah. you know of this garment um and then conscientiousness and then I know just plants I just want to see more plants around <laughs> I love as a value plants. Yeah, it, it makes it makes total sense. And uh, I actually had a friend um, that I've met in because uh, my my house uh, in so my house is the first floor, but in the the, the zero floor, uh, yeah. it's it's a restaurant and uh, and a bar. And I've met a bunch of people there. One of them is like this. Uh, and I say this in a kind way, like crazy flower lady, yeah. uh, and 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 she's she's awesome. And and one of the things that I had no idea, which is like, by having more plants around you, actually your well being increases just by them being there. And of course, there's all this explanation because the air gets better and you breathe more oxygen and all that stuff. But just the visual aspects of plants make make total sense. And let me ask you something, which is, what are some of the more general behaviors that we believe you that you believe we should have in order to 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 get into a modern golden age yeah that's great you you mentioned like having like this con conscious of how like specifically how the fabric of your clothes and how your clothing relates to the the whole um world and different elements in in the journey to get to that specific piece of of, of clothing but what are other habits or practices that you believe we should have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that what you're doing right now, which is like, you know, you're networking, you're um, building, building like relationships. I think that we, um, to some degree, I found that my, my life has improved so much by just um, being connected to more people who are, who have like interesting ideas 
um, who are, you know, positively making uh, an impact on the world. And I think that the more that we can do that and, and connect, um, that I think seems seems really important. Yeah, and, and and like for instance, I do. Even though I get your answer, like I do believe that, especially since you're someone who's who comes from the sustainability space, um, you maybe have some concrete practices that one may do in order to improve that sustainability. And as yeah. from for someone who's from, it was definitely an outsider, like. If someone is listening and is listening to this podcast and, and, and starts to understand like, oh, okay, so in order to get to a modern golden age, we'll definitely need to be more sustainable. How can I do that? Yeah. What, are, what would be some practices that we believe, that you believe actually that people could, could start doing? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I mean, one thing is to, um, you know, just think about your actions in terms of like, you know, there's lots and lots. We actually have enough clothes. We have. We can buy used clothes. We can buy used. We can get used furniture. Um, we don't have to be creating materials from scratch all the time. Um, we don't have to be buying the new iPhone all the time. Um, and you know, flying definitely is is uh, impactful. Um, you know, how can we? You know, be conscious of this. I'm I'm terrible at this. I I still fly quite a bit. Um, but then also like, okay, what, what are you eating? How is it packaged? Um, definitely animal products are more impactful. So you can think about all of that. But I think that there's also like, what are you doing in the world? So if you're mm. working for some company that's kind of destroying the planet, then, you know, you can eat vegan and not fly all you want, but you're still contributing to <laughs> to a world. So I think, I don't know. I, I think it's, I don't want to... Um, I don't want to make anyone's behavior, you know, because people, maybe they're supporting their family and they need this yeah, job or whatever. So I, I don't mean to be criticizing anyone, but also like, I think that we can all, you know, just, um, it's also hard. Cause it's like, I, I, I really dislike plastic, but like, it's very hard to exist without using mm -hmm. a lot of plastic. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I went a day without, uh, being like zero waste. And then mm -hmm. I like wanted a sandwich that was in plastic and yeah. broke down. Um, so I think it's challenging. I think I have a lot of area yeah. room for growth as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, that's, that's, that's a great answer because even though you, you just mentioned a bunch of them, right? having because I, I truly believe that it, it starts with being more conscious about your own choices mm -hmm. uh and like really thinking through some things that we just automatically do and 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 actually make an effort to think about the impact that that specific choice will have on the planet i'm not saying that you should question every choice that you're going to make but like maybe if you're eating all your meals are like this meat maybe try to vary a little bit or if you buy uh, a new shirt every day maybe try to buy it used at least so so yeah it, it makes a little sense so um alexander i do want to to finish on a specific note which is you said that your love language is book recommendations and i share that too as well so i really <laughs> love people recommending books so i'll i just want i have a bunch of questions about books so the first one is for someone who doesn't understand anything about sustainability um what are some of the books that they should read yeah that's a great um that's a great question um i mean i really was impacted by um 
oh, there's this book that I'm not remembering the name of. Um, but I just read uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's Ministry for the Future, and it's about climate change. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, I think what, I think people don't actually, I, I don't know. I, I think not everybody kind of understands the impact of climate change. And it's not just, oh, some coastal cities will be affected. It's like, no, there's mass migrations, there's uh, disease, there's um, uh, food shortages, there's war due to food shortages, um, and and it's and extreme weather events everywhere, um, massive like failures of the ecological system that we need to eat and to, to live. So I think that not to be not, sorry. This you're trying to end on a positive note. No, but no, so- no, no. But but it, but look, it 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 is what it is, right? I mean, it's it's fine. Yeah, but so Kim, um, I think that uh, this book, Ministry of the Future, does a, a lovely way of um, like it showcases in a story format, like it's like showing the world adapting to climate change, or just like not really adapting, but kind of. Um, that what's happening and then ultimately it's a positive book so um, I really yeah that'd be my recommendation at the moment yeah I would have like to, to me because I, I only recently I started to go through that area and one of the books that I, I've been really enjoying in fact I've been really really slow so I could try to understand it all uh, is a book called How Soon Is Now Oh, I don't know cool. if you've 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 read no, it. It's like it, it's by this um, writer, and and he basically wants to build like a, a concrete version of a modern golden age. Uh, and I think it's Daniel Pickett. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. uh, but but he basically goes through the book explaining what are some of the changes that we actually need to do in order to get to that specific point where we have a concrete modern golden age. Uh, and one of the first things as he talks about is sustainability, and that's why I, I got into it. Um, and, and I'll definitely read the one that you just recommended. Um, so that's it. Now, second rec- book recommendation about crypto. So, so for someone who is starting to get into that space, do you have any book recommendation at all? Wow. Um, and here we can we can expand the definition. It, it doesn't have to be a book, but like what are some resources that one can go to in order to, to better understand it? Yeah, um, I would say I, I have not read many books on crypto, so I can't um, say that. Um, actually, there is um, uh, Strength in Numbers, which uh, Bill Laboon wrote, and it's kind of a novel, and it's in a novel format, helping you understand um, the basics of, of crypto. And so um, that that is a kind of a novel format. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I really enjoyed A16Z's. Um, they had a crypto startup school, and mm-hmm. that was um, like, it's it's interesting from a more business perspective mm-hmm. of, of crypto. So often I'll direct people to that series. Um, but there's a lot of like cool, like, you know, if you just like, you know, how does blockchain work? There's a lot of really cool, interesting um, and well done um, YouTubes on that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So last question about books. Uh, what, like book recommendation as a love language uh, assumes that someone somewhere around your history has recommended you a book that made you feel really good. At least I assume that like, what, what was the best book that someone else recommended to you? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I like want to cheat and look at all my 
all my um my library um from the from the top of your head you can always we can always then i'll I'll write an article about our our conversation and we'll put a bunch of them there but mm -hmm. right now okay yeah i would say um just going back to the philanthropy um I heard about the soul of money. Somebody must have mentioned it to me some at some time, but um, I recently read that and it really it really changed my relationship with money, um, how I view money, how I view giving money. Mm -hmm. um, and it's written by Lynn Twist and she um, lived her entire life as doing fundraising. So mm -hmm. it was all, she had so many conversations about money. Um, she started a nonprofit um, to protect the rainforest and uh, indigenous peoples there. And uh, it's an incredible book because it changed my view of money from something of scarcity. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the conversation that we tend to mm -hmm. have around money. So scarce, 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 like just need to grab onto it and, mm -hmm. and hoard it um, to um, being one of sufficiency and sufficiency. And also how do you express your values through mm -hmm. um, giving money? Mm -hmm. And I just had such a, 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 such a refreshing experience of empowerment around money and mm -hmm. Um, feeling so much less constrained by fear um, and scarcity. So awesome. it's really powerful. Awesome. Alexander, thank you so much. Last question. If anyone wants to connect with you or follow your projects, what's the best place uh, to do so? Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty active on Twitter at A-L-X Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R. And then I also have my blog, alexandraheller.com. And we'll link to those uh, in, in the description. Alexander, thank you so much for doing this. It was a pleasure. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. To anyone listening, you can subscribe into your, in your favorite podcast platform. And I'll see you next week for another episode. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.